Welcome to Fit Talk, your go-to podcast for health, fitness, and lifestyle. Episode 68. Get big with lightweight with Alex Wah. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Fit Talk. I'm Matt Wah. And I'm our fit. And today we are joined by none other than my own brother, Alex Wah. Alex, what's up, man? Hey, man. Thanks a lot for having me. It's a pleasure. And we're excited to have you here, dude. Alex is currently doing research for his master's in human kinetics. And he came across a study that I found really interesting. He told me about it the other day, and it's called Bigger Weights May Not Beget Bigger Muscles, Evidence from Acute Muscle Protein Synthetic Responses After Resistance Exercise. And so when he told me the premise of this article, me and Mark were super pumped about it, and we knew that it would make a great session for all of you guys. Some quick background information on Alex, though, is he has a wealth of education under his belt. So, Alex, go ahead and tell everybody what you've cur- or what you're currently up to and what you've done thus far. All right. Well, uh, essentially, I started with uh, finishing my undergrad in neuroscience. That's what really uh, first got me attached to how the nervous system interacts with uh, the musculatory system. And so from then on, it was uh, basically a natural fit for me to move over to human kinetics where I could really uh, study that relationship in detail. And so uh, now I've done I've done things from uh, from training studies to uh, uh, influencing how sports psychology affects the way you train. And uh, currently that's the that's the way I'm going right now. I'd like to see how uh, how you can essentially um, consciously use your own central nervous system to affect how your muscles perform rather than just focusing peripherally on just the muscles themselves. Certainly a mouthful, huh? but uh, we're <laughs> pumped to talk to you guys about some information that's going to change your view on what hypertrophy training can really be. So just before we get to it, though, I'm going to take a minute to thank our show sponsor, Rise Gym Gear. So If you're in need of some brand new equipment or some top-notch apparel, be sure to visit them at risegymgear.com. And of course, if you want to support the show directly, feel free to use the code FITTALK to save yourself 10% on your entire order. So with that out of the way, let's dive into this session. Basically, the premise of this article is how lifting heavy weights is not the only method there is to inducing hypertrophy, yeah? Tell us about your take on it, Alex, as well as how this claim is backed up. Well, I mean, the the second I read the title, I was geeked because anything I can look at uh, in order to, you know, change the way I even go to the gym myself and anything I can use myself to experiment with to try new things and to see if I can change my results is always really cool. And just the fact that uh, I can see that it's been um, tested rigorously by by scientists that are actually in the field just makes me feel a lot better about it rather than it being like, you know, like bro science out there or whatever. Like you can read anything else on the internet and you don't know what to believe. But I'm fairly confident that these that these guys are doing this research in order to better the knowledge we know about it. So whenever I see something that is, uh, you know, this counterintuitive, but like still published, still uh, it, I send a red flag right away. So uh, when I saw that um, these guys actually claim that they showed that lifting lighter can actually uh, induce an anabolic response similar or sometimes even uh, superiorly compared to lifting heavy, got my attention instantly. Like, I also believe in it. So true. Um, you know, 
you, you can just feel it while you're training, like the way your muscle is stressed just by going, uh, for example, like if someone just always do 10 reps, 10 reps, 10 reps, 10 reps, when he changed like his workout, he can also feel even more sore while doing like an higher rep and doing a like, full range of motion. And also like the, just respecting the form by doing like, like, I, I mean, like when I'm doing like a 20 reps or 25 reps, I will feel even more sore like the next day. Maybe not, soreness is not uh, a sign of like you will grow more, but at the same time, uh, it's something that I I can train like in more high reps and f just have more result than if I'm doing just uh, between the six and 12 repetitions. I did that like a lot of time, like by changing my workout and you can see the change. So I'm, I'm not surprised that there's some cities where you can just prove it. Absolutely. And I mean, more than just a, uh using this as like, you know, the standard protocol, it's always good to at least change it up to maybe, maybe some people actually never lift light. Maybe they, they've always uh, gone through the principle of, well, you know, everybody says that eight to 12 reps is the hypertrophy range. So that's what I need to train in to get size. And I mean, that makes sense. But at the same time, it's also important that even if that's what you follow mostly, that um, your muscles do require a change in stimulus. And even if it's lifting lighter, they'll respond to it just simply because they don't know how to respond. Exactly. And I feel that you can also stress it even more to develop the maturity of the muscle when you do more eye rep. Is that correct? I would, I would say that's definitely a good point. And uh, that actually touches on a, on a topic that I'll be becoming very intimate with in terms of uh, how, knowing how to fully... Um, maximize the amount of uh, fiber recruitment in your muscles, how to make sure that you're turning on every single fiber rather than um, when you compare it to a heavy lift, say, uh, your your goal is more so to get the, get the weight up, you know? Uh, and it's more important just simply to get the weight up than to really focus on how that muscle is moving while you do it. And it's easier definitely to concentrate on that while you have a lighter weight. So why is this the case, Alex? I mean, the whole thing is, right? Like we're all familiar with it. Is everyone always says that if you want to get big, you got to lift heavy. So why is this the case that all of a sudden, you know, we have this study here that's saying otherwise? Why, why is all of a sudden, sh why should we be thinking or agreeing with this as opposed to what's been said for decades? Well, first of all, I'd just like to say that um, this isn't disproving that lifting heavy does not give you gains. That's certainly not true. Lifting heavy will certainly uh, help you increase size, uh, but they're just stating that it's not simply the only way and that um, you should be looking at alternatives as well. Um, I mean, if nothing else, just for, for the sake of things like joint health and other things like that. Um, but basically, uh, they're saying that um, the, the size of the load that you move around. So essentially the, how heavy you're lifting is not the only factor that is, de that determines, uh, size gains, but other things, including, uh, muscle action, uh, how fast you're moving the weight around, how fast you lift it and lower it, um, how intensely you're contracting your muscles and, um, the amount of rest you take in between sets are important, but, um, what they, are saying is extremely crucial to uh, putting on size is specifically the total volume of work that your muscles have to perform and the time under tension that your muscles are going through. So how long they have to remain contracted and stimulated for. These are the, these are the two parameters that provide the biggest anabolic uh, stimulus for muscles to grow. 
do they also uh, talk about like the window of time, like of, of your training, like a time of detention, not only like, uh, per, per movement or per, per set, but also like the, like on a workout of 45 minutes or an hour, or do they talk about that? Like in the city? Uh, in this specific study, they didn't, um, they were, they did, uh, have all their participants go under, uh, three sets, uh, with three minutes of rest in between each set, but they, every, uh, every participant, uh, did go to concentric failure. So no matter, uh, how much weight they had to lift, uh, they still had to go to failure. So they had a couple of different groups. They had one that lifted heavy, uh, at 90% of their one rep maximum. And they had a, another group that lifted light at about 30% of their one rep max, but they both had to go to failure. Now that means that the, uh, people who lifted heavy on average, they lifted, uh, about five repetitions and the people in uh, the lightweight group lifted for about 24 repetitions. So as you can see, the volume that the uh, lightweight um, lifters had to lift was a lot more than the, uh, than the heavy. But yeah, in that, in that case, uh, in terms of how long that the, that the workouts should go for, uh, they didn't go into that specifically. They went to about three sets. And- okay, cool. And you said yeah. that the rest times were about three minutes. Was that for both groups? Yep, for for every group, just to just to standardize it, that's not necessarily um, prescribed. I'd say for every for every uh, for every workout um, program, obviously. But yeah, yeah so basically, I, they were just doing like one set of like and having like a three minutes, and they yeah, were like, and essentially they just wanted to give them more than enough adequate time to rest so that they could perform for the next set as well. For so, sure, because so. I would be surprised to hear that to be a norm. Like for example, Mark, when you do. Um, a lighter but higher volume workout like that you definitely play with the rest times like it's not the same that you would do for a strength-based workout or a standard quote-unquote standard hypertrophy workout or in this case like three minutes is probably not something you would do if you were doing say 25 reps no but the thing is like it will it will depend on the athlete itself because like for me i'm training like crazy it's been like years that I'm doing that like full time. So my recovery process may be faster than someone who just started to go to the gym. So for example, I can do a higher rep and just take like a minute or 45 second rest, but then I can also maybe add even more weight the next set or keep the same weight and stay endurant the entire workout instead of like someone who will probably need maybe a minute 30 to keep the the same tension and the same amount of stress Mm -hmm. of stress that I'd mean like on, on his workout. So right on. Now, Alex, I, I noticed that you also said that both of these groups, they were performing these exercises to failure. And that's kind of the important thing uh, to take notice of is even <clears throat> if you're going with lighter weights and higher repetitions, the point is, is that you're struggling. Like that's not easier by, by any means. That's exactly, that's exactly it, Matt. And the problem is that um, lightweight and heavy weight is a, it's a relative term. It doesn't mean like heavy to me doesn't necessarily mean heavy to you. And same with lightweight. Um, when people think lightweight, they'll think, well, okay, so should I, are these guys telling me to curl five pound dumbbells for 25 reps and I should get huge? It's not necessarily the case, but if it's enough weight for you to no longer be able to lift that weight by the time you get to that 25th rep, then yes, that's enough weight for you. The The main uh, The main point there is to, provide what's called an overload stimulus. And that overload stimulus basically allows your central nervous system to 
uh, basically fire on all cylinders. And that means that the, the more um, central nervous system activity you're generating, the more fibers you're able to recruit. And when you're able to recruit more fibers, the more stress you can put on the muscle, which means uh, essentially more strength, more strength for you, more, more size for you. Hmm. So you could attribute this same um, low load, high volume resistance training. You could equate that to the strength training that we know, say, doing one to three to five repetitions as well. You could make strength gains by doing this exact same or by doing this style of training. Um, did you say for for um, heavy for heavy weightlifting? The low load, high volume resistance training. Okay, uh, for strength gains, ab- absolutely. I mean. Um, the several of the the variables that these guys looked at um, were increasing across both groups. It was just a matter of which ones were um, doing more and less. So even still, they were looking at things like um, how much protein was being synthesized in the muscle post workout. It was happening in both. It was just a matter of well, sometimes it was a uh, it was higher initially for the heavy sets because you get a more acute response with the heavy load but over time it actually showed that uh, they actually showed that the uh, the group that was lifting lighter actually had a more prolonged effect so although it wasn't as uh, it didn't show as high as an acute response right off the bat um, they showed a higher rate of protein synthesis for a longer period of time. And that could actually be very important to your overall total amount of protein you're making. Oh, right. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so Mark, uh, for you, do you have like one certain style that you favorite or advocate like oh. one versus another? Do you think one can be more effective than the other or do they both really stand on par with each other? From your experience. Yeah. Like as Alex said, it's just a question of like changing up your workout. So you might want to do like a strength program for a while to develop your strength and then go back more on hypertrophy and then maybe doing more high rep just to um, stimulate your, mu- your muscle in a different way. So that being said, like for me, it's not just doing like high reps to give me like the size that I am today. It's just playing, um, depending like on my goal and the the way that my body feel at the moment, maybe sometime like if I'm doing like a, a strength program and then I can feel more my joint because you always lift heavy and the form might not be at 100% when you start lifting heavy. Sometimes your ego will go during the movement. If you do like a heavy deadlift, for yeah. example, like in the um, uh, lift more series, I did uh, some crazy deadlift and I injured like my, my lower back just a little bit, not, not the crazy injury, but just I was feeling like more pain in my lower back because I just wanted to do it for the video. <laughs> you know, that, that kind of stuff can happen yeah. like in strength training. So then I just came back in a different workout more in, in I rep in 20, 25 reps. So I just control more, more, I can just control more the weight, feel more the muscle and just focusing more like on, on the contraction of the muscle and also like on the form instead of like just doing a compound movement with deadlift. So, um, there's no favorite style. I just love changing first to do something different so I don't get bored. Um, and second, it just helped my body to uh, see a different aspect of training and just be shocked by it and keep growing instead of just doing always the same thing over and over again. Because I think Alex will agree as well. It, we, we are uh, able to adapt to any kind of situation. So if you're always doing like the same thing, then your body will get used to it and then it will not look or seek for, for progress. So that's why I think it's just good to always change the, the training method. Absolutely. Yeah. Eventually, um, 
if you if you stick to the same routine for far too long, uh, even if you feel like you should be progressing because you know, well, eventually you get to a certain weight and you start plateauing, and you're like, well, I'm lifting, I'm lifting heavy. I should be able to progress eventually. Eventually, your your nervous system will actually. Um, it, it is what essentially adapts to it and it only knows how to fire the same way to recruit your muscles the same way. And so it's, it is important to kind of restart, um, how, how your, uh, how your brain interacts with your muscles by lifting light so that, um, essentially your, your, uh, nervous system can learn how to fire in a different way to, to, uh, communicate better with your muscles. Eventually that talk kind of gets dulled out if you do the same thing for too long. But uh, in order to kind of, it's almost like a like a recharge when, especially if you're going from heavy to light, um, because then uh, I don't know about you, but when I when I lift light, I can definitely uh, focus more on the feeling of the contraction while I'm lifting it, rather than rather than trying to just get the, the weight from point A to point B. Yeah, that's for sure. Because when when you try to do more like compound compound movement or just more functional training, uh, the goal is just to move the weight. Actually, is just to use all kind of muscle of your body to make sure that the weight go from point A to B, like you said. Uh, instead of like if you're doing like a bicep curl, you just try to isolate the muscle. Uh, that's a t- total different game if you try to do it with light weight and just focusing on the contraction of the bicep. Very true. For sure, I'd say it's safe to say that it's easier to establish a fantastic mind-muscle connection when you do lift lighter. Uh, I think that's one of the reasons that, Mark, you were, for a little while there, a couple months ago, you were doing pre-exhaustion for almost all of your Mm -hmm. workouts just because you were able to establish the connection between your mind and your muscle so much better by doing some lighter stuff and a lot of repetitions beforehand. Yeah, and also like just kind of from ruling myself, at the same time, like, for example, I was doing a, a hamstring, for example. I was doing like the leg curl and then I was just foam rolling my hamstring just to even stimulate more and stretch more muscle and having like a, a better full uh, range of motion with it. So stretching between each other like about 30 seconds uh, and then going back and then doing my warm up like that. And then I was able like just to feel even more muscle while training. I was doing that as well for, for my back, a um, couple of muscle as well. So yeah, I guess it was just great to, to feel even more muscle. And then recently I started to do a little bit more strength and then I will come back to a uh, higher rep and I will just play with it and see how my body can react to it. Because for sure it's kind of a, it's not a guess work, but like on every one, like it will not work the different, the, the same way. So it will always be different. So you, you need to know yourself. And for, for me, I know that I need to, to go hard on myself because I've been doing sport my entire life and my nervous system is really endurant. To shut it down, like for example, uh, it takes an, an absolutely intense training. Even when I'm doing like uh, strength in the beginning of the workout, for example, two or three reps, of, for example, in the bench, then my entire workout, I'll be able like, to keep a good amount of weight for the entire workout. I'm not like, it's hard to exhaust myself. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Um, I, I'd say it's safe to say that with what I've been doing lately too, is uh, just the same thing, like working mm-hmm. up heavier. And I wasn't really able to understand why, but... And I was, I, honestly, I was I was a little worried about it as well because 
um, you know, the thing that's ingrained in your head is always, you know, warm up, take it easy, take it light so that you can just start activating the muscles and you don't want to injure yourself. But that's been part of my program for the last couple of weeks is working mm-hmm. up heavy with like 70, 75% of my one rep max. And I mean, one, I mean, I get warmed up immediately just from like the very first set, but just my workouts have been going so smoothly since then. And it's not something that I completely understood, but you know, it's been working. So I've just <laughs> kept doing it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's just something like you set your nervous system to lift more weight or just make it like ready if you want for the workout. So that's why I like, like to start warming up with the uh, 75% or 78% of my uh, one rep max. And because then when I go more like in the high rep, maybe in the two, 10 or 12 reps, I'm able like to actually lift more weight and just be more endurance. So at the end of the workout, you just put your muscle under more more stress than if you were just uh, warm up with lightweight and having like a lighter weight in the next uh, exercise. Yeah, like um, if you when you start out by warming up heavy like that, um, basically what it makes your body think is that like for example, if you're if you're um starting out with like a two hundred bench. Uh, and say that's your 70 percent uh it makes when you when you go for your actual target um weight for you know your 8 to 12 reps or whatever and that ends up being 150 pounds that what usually feels like 150 pounds to you is going to feel more like 130 or 120 so you might actually be able to bang out more reps or bang out uh more weight for the same amount of reps yeah, exactly. And I was doing that as well, like when I was playing hockey, but my, might sound stupid, but I was uh, basically practicing just before the game with uh, a metal puck. No kidding. Yeah. And, and then oh, yeah. when I was just going on the ice, it was, I wasn't like even feeling it. And when I was doing like a slap shot or something, it was just like flying like crazy. <laughs> That's actually a really good idea though. Same principle. It's going to make sense. I mean, mm-hmm. all of a sudden the, the game just feels like a warm up at that point, right? So... Um, I have one other question, though, for uh, for the study, Alex, and that was, did it talk at all about these two groups nutrition? Um, It did touch on it a little bit. And the problem with training studies really is that it's really difficult to make sure that people are eating properly. And in fact, most people just don't have good diets altogether, uh, which makes for a really big issue. So they can only do so much to control it. Um, and especially if they, if they said, oh, okay, well you have to go on the, uh, the Mark fit diet in order to be in our study, uh, they'd probably retain zero participants. <laughs> so, I mean, it just, it's in a, for a lot of people it's just unfortunately not feasible, you know? Uh, so what they, the most that they did is they said, um, ensure that you, uh, eat a, you know, a, an appropriate breakfast that has a certain amount of protein in it, ideally like eggs or something. And then they had, um, I believe it was uh, two hours before the workout or something, they made sure that they gave everybody the same type of bottle of, you know what Ensure is? It's like a, it's like a nutritional drink supplement that has a, like 13 grams of protein in it or something like that, a bunch, a, along with a bunch of uh, micronutrients. That was the way that they basically tried to standardize across all the participants uh, what, they had to, what they had to fuel their body so that they could hope to say that even though they all ate the same, the changes in uh, protein synthesis you're seeing is due strictly to the body alone. Uh, so they did their best, but at the same time, when um, you know on on off days and everything, they can't really control what everybody's eating. Uh, so yeah, it's a that's one of the confounds of training studies. It's it's a difficult one to overcome, but it's one that uh, 
uh, you try your best with anyways. Also, did they talk about like the slow twitch muscle and the fast twitch, what they were recruiting while doing like the IREP or? Uh, that's actually a good point to bring up, Mark. Um, basically, the, your muscles work to recruit your to recruit the fibers uh, with the least amount of energy your body needs as possible. Your body wants to conserve as much energy as you can. And so uh, basically that would result in your muscles recruiting your motor units, uh, which is the, uh, which is the uh, neuron connected to your muscle uh, together. Um, basically based on the size of that motor on, on that motor unit. Uh, so they um, recruit them based on size. And this is called the Cinderella hypothesis. Um, and basically the order of the size of the motor units in your muscle start with uh, your slow twitch muscle fibers. Uh, these are the slowest ones as, and also produce the least amount of force, um, followed by your fast twitch uh, motor units, which you have two types of. You have oxidative glycolytic and then pure glycolytic. And the oxidative ones uh, create slightly less force but are able to uh, uh, withstand more volume. They're able to, uh, they're able to have more endurance, basically. So um, your so your body will uh, recruit them in this order, and they try not to recruit the fast twitch ones unless they really need them. And typically, that's why um, that's why heavy weight uh, in the gym gets so much attention is because they believe that um, the heavier the weight the heavier the weight is, the more likely your body is to recruit those fast twitch motor units that which are the biggest, which will overall contribute to the most size gains. Um, but what um, these researchers are arguing is that this isn't necessarily the case and that as long as you're providing that overload stimulus that we talked about earlier, over time, uh, what happens as you increase the volume of work you're doing, those slow twitch motor units that you activated first will eventually fatigue and then your body will have to call on your fast twitch motor units, the oxidative ones. And eventually... After those, after those start to fatigue, then you still have to call on the fast twitch ones because you have nothing left to lift this weight lift. Uh, so then eventually, once you get to that overload stimulus, whether you were lifting heavy or you were lifting light, you still ended up recruiting every single type of motor unit and you still fatigued everything. And that is the, uh, the most crucial part of that. So. It's perfect to take note of all that. And I think it's especially important to also say, you know, there are certain outliers when you're doing uh, fitness studies like in this regard, right, Alex? Like, <clears throat> like you can't have control over everybody's nutrition. You have no idea what they're doing outside of the study. But the big takeaway here, um, you've heard you've heard Mark advocated as well, guys, you know, whether you're doing our standard style of strength training or the ones that we're talking about here with the lighter weights and heavier reps, <clears throat> your goal or your gains essentially are going to be determined based on your nutrition. Um, so that's a critical part of your success, regardless of whatever training you're doing. You got to make sure that all that is in check if you want to ensure any kind of progression with training styles being irrespective of all that stuff. Right, guys? I would agree with that a hundred percent. You can you can go and uh, overkill it in the gym for two hours a day, and if you if all you do is uh, you know like eat eat celery all day, uh, you're not going to see any gains. You know, 
your body needs a proportional amount of uh, good quality nutrition with uh, the amount of work you put it under. Otherwise, all you're doing really is breaking down your body. Exactly right. You need to be able to repair it as well. So uh, I think there's also some great episodes for you all to check out um, if you still need some help in those regards. So that is episode 46 called Tips for the Hard Gainer, as well as episode 21, which is Bulk the Right Way. So if you guys need more information on all of these kinds of uh, tips based on supplementation and food, uh, these are great episodes to be coupled with this one as well if you're looking for some more advice based on your training and uh, nutrition on the whole. But uh, I think that's a, probably a good place to cap it off, eh, guys? I think we got a lot of information out there. So uh, I think we're going to wrap it up. And Alex, thanks so much for coming on the show and showing us this wealth of information that you found yourself. It was a, it was a solid time, guys. I really enjoyed it. It was a, And it was good to hear your opinions on the same topic as well. It's always I'm always getting some insights from you guys as well. It's uh, there's more to learn than just outside the classroom, you know. So yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> it's a total a total different game when you start to ap- applying like the method on you and just seeing like the result if it's working or not for you. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, for all you guys, be sure to like this episode on SoundCloud. Leave a comment to let us know what you think, and follow the Fit Talk account so that you can make sure you're always in the loop. And don't forget that if if you've got a question that you want answered, go to fittalk.com and use our speak pipe to send us a voice message and you might have your topic covered in our next episode. But that's it for now. So from all of us, we hope you have a great week and we'll see you next time on Fit Talk.